Right. Welcome to Going Up North. I'm KCT, and this is episode 14. Last week, we left off with a fish in the hole, and Trung was getting ready to spear it. So let's get right back into the action and find out if we have a winner. Let go of the rope. Just drop? No, get it in the water. Oh, right. And... Should I go? Yeah, get him. Hell yeah, dude. Whoa! Yeah, bud! Fuck, I speared a fish! Alright. That is fucking how you do it, Trung. Fuck! Jesus Christ! And <laughs> <sighs> a boy? Wow, that was satisfying. I'm gonna see if I. Well, it's too dark in here. I don't know if I can. We'll take it outside. I'll take a picture of you. It'll be cool. great. Cool. <clears throat> yes! <laughs> oh, buddy. You're gonna be super dead. It's okay. Should I open the door? Yeah, there's uh, that bungee cords on it, so you don't have to fucking monkey around with that. Give me a second here. Yep, you're fine. Oh man, I am so excited, dude. Absolutely. Whoa. Right? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it is. This is what you're here for. Hold on, I don't want to get you in the picture. No, you're in the picture. You speared it. Oh, that's right. Here. <laughs> Take the damn picture. Yeah, absolutely. Alright, I put the couple. Let me know if you're good enough. Okay. They're perfect. Thank you. That's what you want to do. That's perfect. You nailed it. <laughs> it makes all that waiting worthwhile. Yeah. Well, now I can't see the bungee thing. Uh, that'll, that's fine. We'll deal with it later. Yeah. Let your eyes adjust again. Yeah. Good job, bud. <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah. Cool, I can't wait to rub it in Steven's face. Yes, yes! <laughs> uh, absolutely. Uh, do you have the murder shakes? <laughs> I don't think I have the murder shakes. Uh, beautiful. Yes. And before the morning is over, too, I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, fuck, now there's no pressure to... Sit out here all fucking day until it gets dark. Because <laughs> if you don't, you know what I mean? If you don't get one, you're like, man, I'll, yeah. I, gotta, I gotta get one, or I gotta see one, or wait, 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 wait. Yeah, dude. That's, uh, that's awesome. Mission accomplished. <sighs> and it's like, Three seconds. Are you know what I mean? It's over so fast. From the time you see them to the time you spear them to the time you get them out. Hmm. They look so much bigger down there. Isn't that insane? Yeah. Too? You're like, like, there's a shark. <laughs> <laughs> then it comes up and I'm like, oh, look at you, little dude. Yeah. So imagine one that's ten pounds. Oh fuck, they do look like sharks. I. Oh, you. What is that? 
in your own way, now you have continued the family tradition of spear and fish. Exactly. I'd be like, hey, Dad. <laughs> Look what I did. Guess what I did. <laughs> On the ice. He wouldn't be impressed. He used to free dive for, do for lobsters that he would, like, catch with his hands. <laughs> Good lord. Is there anything your dad hasn't done? He's kind of an action hero. <laughs> He's ridiculous. Man. Are you going to make that comic? Man, I could. Oh, I did do one for, um, so the uh, Japanese American National Museum in Los Angeles did an exhibit for, exhibit for George Takei and his life. Okay. Um, and they put out a graphic novel that um, accompanies the exhibition, and I had a story in it. Like, just six pages. Cool. Yeah. What was the story? It was, like, it was separated up into a bunch of sections, and so mine went into the, like, queer American, uh, queer Asian American experience section so it was about like coming out in catholic school like to an asian american family was that uh i can send it to autobiographical you. yeah it was okay yeah i can send you the pdf sweet is that what... <coughs> <coughs> obviously that's always a difficult thing but was it extra difficult being in catholic school or it was extra difficult being in catholic school but like for bizarre reasons so i um so I had started to, like, kind of real like, I had always, like, I never really felt the need to come out. Like, my brother always fucking knew I was going to marry a dude when I got older. Like, he it was just like a, like, he never questioned it. He was just like, oh, is that what your husband's going to be like when you're older? Like, he, I remember, like, literally when I was, like, probably nine years old and he was, like, six. God, I was listening to an InSync album, of all things, and looking at the cover, and I was like, Hey, teen, which one do you think is the cutest? And he's like, I like Jay-Z because he's got cool sunglasses. And I'm like, right on, dude. And it was just like that, like, for our entire childhood. It's just like, he's always been chill. So coming out to him was, like, never a problem. I just did not think I would have to... I would do it with my parents because, like, there's no... There, there isn't really a word for it in Vietnamese, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to talk about a thing when you have no context for how to construct it, it in, like, in language. So, in a, I was like 16 or 17 in like the mid-aughts, and uh, that was when all of the suicides were happening, like the gay teen suicides in the, the northern suburbs. So like there was a bunch in like Coon Rapids and Anoka. Yeah, and I, I remember like, reading about that in like Rolling Stone or something, did yeah. like a big article about it, and I was like, Yep, that was my area, and so I was like, oh, well that sucks, and I don't want that to happen to anybody in my school, so I tried to start a gay-straight alliance at my Catholic school. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 boy. I know, it was, like, I look back and I'm like, oh my god, Kid Trung, you had some major balls, but no, it was just like, I was a little overly optimistic and naive about how I would be supported. So what happened was I found a group of teachers who were very, very supportive, and they were like, anything to make the school safer for you kids. Um, the administration was less stoked about it. <laughs> um, that sounds like you're being polite. Yeah, no, we, they were, um, <coughs> well, I mean, it's a Catholic school, so they were very, um, they were very, very bureaucratic and hands-off about it, but at the same time, like, very pointed and deliberate. Like, it's some, like, crazy fucking, like, politeness like jujitsu so they uh the president of the school called me up into his office and he was like so i heard you want to start a gsa and i was like well yes it's a thing that i think that the school needs and i would like it as a gay student and he was like okay well 
I think that what you're doing is very noble, but I feel like the um, the Archdiocese would not support what you're doing, so we're going to have to call it something else. We can't have gay in the title, like, you, you can't do any of these things. And I was like, okay, well, I suppose we can probably work around that, I don't know. Like, I didn't care that much, I just wanted a space. And he was like, well, you have to find a, a teacher who would be able to, to supervise and, uh, like, organize this. The trouble was that the teacher who accepted would get into trouble for leaving that group. So like every teacher that I talked to would be like, mm, I really want to, but like, this is my job and they're not going to be supportive of my role. And then he gave me literature. He was like, so, uh, this is our official stance on it. And so he gave me this pamphlet. The gist of it was that when kids come out to Catholic families who were surveyed, all of the families described the, um, the effect of it as though there was a death in the family. Oh my god. So, in retrospect, like, as an adult now, I'm just, like, constantly angry because the president of a university thought that it was appropriate to tell a child, like, a, I was 16, like, to tell a kid during a time where gay suicide was, like, an epidemic in high schools in the area yeah. that if you were to come out to your parents, you might as well be dead. Like, that's so irresponsible. Dude, and also, what fucking research is that based on? I know, um, right? Oh, but you know what the juiciest fucking part is? During the whole, like, gay marriage thing, when that was, like, um, like uh, Minnesota Nice, you vote no twice, like that, um, to, like, make sure that we didn't have, like, an amendment that was, like, you know, marriage can only be between a man and a woman. Mm -hmm. um, so that was happening in about 2014. The president of the university had to step down from his position because he wanted to marry his husband. The man who had this conversation with me, so he's happily married, he has children, he, like, I think he went on to become the president at Moundsview, and I'm still angry about this, because I was like, how dare you be complicit in this and protect your job and not protect the children that you were supposed to be looking after? Oh my god, dude. Have you ever called the guy and been like, fuck you? <laughs> I've been tempted, I'm like, ugh. <sighs> It's just one of those periods in my life that, like, I was like, as a kid, I was like, whatever, I'll get through this, and I'm going to be in college in a couple of years. But then, like, as an adult, I'm like, how fucking dare you do, do this to a kid? Dude, that's, that's horrible. <laughs> yeah. That's horrible. I'm going to call him. <laughs> <coughs> oh, yeah, but no, but I came out to my parents on accident. <laughs> <laughs> And the reason why was because while all this was happening, I was doing, like, of course, like, I'm, like, a huge egghead. I'm, like, doing research and, like, doing a lot of reflecting, and then, like, I had an essay to write for a religion class. The bizarre thing about Catholic schools is that, for some reason, like, your philosophy teachers are very, very conservative. Hmm. But your religion teachers tend to be incredibly supportive and open-minded. So I, uh, I wrote an essay for a religion class about, like, what is my relationship to Catholicism and, like, what is my spirituality and how does my identity affect the way that I navigate my relationship with God or whatever. And so I wrote about, like, how it feels to exist in, like, kind of a liminal space between, like, you know, Vietnam and the U.S. and, you know, being queer in that space and in a Catholic school. And he really liked it. So he, like, you know, he wrote some nice comics and he was like, good job, or comments, and he was like, good job, he gave me an A. And uh, I left it sitting around at home. <laughs> and my mom was like, she had just, like, after so many years of, like, not liking to read. <laughs> because English was hard. She was like, well, my son has written this nice essay. I'm going to work hard and read it. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> so she read it and I came home from school and she was like, hey, we need to have a conversation about some things. 
Oh boy. <laughs> right? And I was really nervous because I didn't know how they were going to react. And so my mom was like, listen, I own a salon. This is nothing. But I'm not sure how your dad is going to react, right? Because he's like a macho, like, he's a fucking prize fighter, old master, like, kid kill you with his bare hands, like, spearing fish and, like, yeah. dive, free diving for lobsters, like, <coughs> sort of man. Like, he's like that action movie dude. So she's like, well, let's, it, do you want to, do you want to talk to him about it? I'm like, yeah, I mean, if you know, it's only fair that he also knows, you know, we all love each other. We're going to do that. And so she was like, okay, then we'll, we'll, we'll do our best and we'll try to make sure that he understands and that he still supports you. I'm sure he loves you anyway. Uh, so, uh, my little brother overhears the conversation and he's like, Hey, if you're going to come out to dad, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be around for you and make sure you're okay. I'm like, oh, kid, that's so sweet. <laughs> he was like 13. He's <laughs> like a really sweet kid. Um, so my dad comes home, and we all like kind of like we hear the garage door open, and we're like, oh, shit, dad's home. And so uh, my mom's like, come up to Trung's room. We have something to tell you. <laughs> and so my dad comes in, and it's like me sitting on the bed, my mom sitting on the floor, my little brother also sitting on the floor, and my dad's like, what's going on? <laughs> someone, someone died right <laughs> and so mom was like well Trung has something to tell you I'm like hey dad I'm, I'm gay this means this and he was like oh is that all <laughs> <laughs> like I got work to do yeah no he's like uh yeah that doesn't really change anything and like he proceeded to tell me about like how he like he, at first he like kind of misapprehended it a little bit he was, he was like he started telling me about like oh like I had, a, like, a special guy friend when I was younger. Like, we had, like, very intimate bikes on the beach and, like, just, like, <laughs> you know, we hung out. And I was like, no, no, Dad, like, I want to, like, eventually have a future with a man. Like, we're going to get married. This is what our family is going to look like. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's whatever. And it was kind of nice because, like, because there's no word for it in Vietnamese, we can kind of, like, construct it without all the cultural baggage that, like, homophobia has in the U.S., right? Right. And so, like, that was a, that was a fine thing. It had never been an issue the only change was that my dad like suddenly started paying attention to the news and he was like oh shit all these kids are dying i should do something to protect my son and so he just like upped my kickboxing training for a while he was like don't take shit from anybody <laughs> it was very sweet that's awesome so yeah. he trained you yeah everybody in our family fights man except for grandma who doesn't need to right right that's crazy is that something that you enjoyed, or you just did because? It was just a family bonding thing. It was like, I guess it was like our version of like dad teaching us how, how to throw a football because none of us could do that. But he was like, I do this sport, so we did that. Yeah, I'm not like in like I don't do it avidly. Like I'm not like I'm in terrible shape for what I do, and but I'm still really really flexible and I'm quick. So my dad's like, you'll be fine. That's awesome. Yeah. You're a fucking superhero. <laughs> My family's real cute. Yeah, that's awesome. Is there a trident emoji? There probably is. I think there is somewhere. Oh, I think I'm finally getting the murder shakes. <laughs> I'm like, you cannot contain my bloodlust. Like hyper focused, ready for another one. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> it's like I did it once, man. 
I can do it again. I can do it again. That was so fucking cool. That felt amazing. Yeah. It's like, man, this is great. <laughs> Here's Casey. Here's the hole in the ice. How hard is it to like come down off of like a kill and then like be all like ready to go again and then just like wait for hours again? Well you tell me you're doing like, it right now. I'm like raring to go. I'm like, come on, where are you little motherfuckers? I'm gonna put a spear through you. It takes practice. And then to it's just like settle, yeah. You gotta calm down. <laughs> yeah. It uh mm -hmm. little bit. It does keep you interested, though. It does, yeah. Like, it could happen again. Yep, it happened once. Why not twice? Shit fuck the other day. It was shit fuck. Ah, uh, we were out here. We got three before ten. It was insane. I've never seen that. It was like one fish every half an hour or 45 minutes. I was like, fuck it. We're going early for lunch. Ten o'clock. We got three. Let's go back to the house. I need to poop. <laughs> <laughs> All important things. <coughs> right. <laughs> My colleagues in Europe are baffled. <laughs> They're like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh man, this is amazing. I do like how relaxing it is, though. I mean, like, I, I don't know, like, I, I sort of understand the whole, like, you know, people get bored fishing, but, I mean, this is my first time, so maybe the excitement will wear off later, but, like, it, it feels really nice to just sort of, like, sit here with your thoughts and your feelings and, mm -hmm. and occasionally take it out on a fish. Yeah, exactly. It is a, it's a different thing when you come out here by yourself, too. It's, I've done it a lot. Yeah. Just quiet. Nothing. You close that door and it's all dark and... It's like, uh... <laughs> the other day I was like, fuck Superman, this is my fortress of solitude. <laughs> <laughs> this is all I need. I mean, it's fucking warm, you know, like, yeah, there's really nothing. It's comfortable. Like, I didn't, I was like, I was so worried. I was like, we're going to be on the ice. <laughs> I'm going to need to, like, bundle up. Like, come on. And then I'm, like, in here and I'm like, I could have worn my sweatpants. This is fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, um, it's, uh, our lives are so full of stimulus all the time. I mean, beyond just phones and internet and computers and TV and driving and all that shit. It's uh, kind of a unique environment out here where there's very little outside stimulus. Yeah. Which to some people is actually stressful, which is weird. Um, but to me, like you said, it's relaxing. There's no pressure to do anything. 
How long have you been doing this? Like fishing on the lake? In my life? In your life, yeah. Oh, uh, since I was a kid, since before I probably even remember. Oh, okay. Um, my fucking dad was telling the story. Uh, his buddy used to have this fish house he'd put out on the other end of the lake. This was like where I grew up fishing mm -hmm. out there. And I was like three, two, old enough to stand and walk. And I fell in a hole. Ah. And he turned around and he didn't see because it was a uh, way elevated. So the floor was like here, mm -hmm. and the ice was down there, yeah. and the hole was like huge. And um, he turned around and I wasn't there. And he's like, "What the fuck?" And he looked down the hole, and by fucking just perfect magic, my arms had come up. Uh huh. And like, so I had stopped. Jeez. But I was up to my chest in the ice. Uh huh. So if they would have went, if my hands would have been like this, or I would have went in fucking head first, oh fuck, I probably would never, yeah. So he picked me up and was like, what in the fuck? <laughs> and then he was like, and then I knew I had to get him home and fucking cleaned up and dried off, but I knew my wife was at home, and all I was going to hear was, what are you doing when you pick a bitch house? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my god. So I've been, I don't remember that, but uh, I've been uh, on the ice since then. Um, yeah, I mean, this spearing, uh, I had never even heard of mm -hmm. until I was in high school and my dad was doing more of it out here and in this house, actually, this used to be a, uh, a friend of his, mm -hmm. um, who passed and kind of left it to my dad. Mm. Um, so I started spearing maybe when, uh, 10 years ago, maybe. Nice. And, uh, immediately was like, this is way better than fishing. Like, fuck drilling a hole and trying to catch a fish. I want to see them and spear them, you know? Because mm -hmm. you can fish in here, too, or whatever. Like, if a walleye or a perch or whatever yeah. came in, you can catch them on hook and line. So that's fine, but... Yeah, you got more options this way. Exactly. And I, I just fell in love with it. Yeah. No, dropping the spear on that fish was amazing. Yeah! I was like, Wah! Exactly. And so, ever since I started and thought it was fucking super cool, I've always... Try to bring people out, friends, you know. This is so cool, check it out, you know. Um, and most people do find it, uh, if not fun, interesting, or... Yeah. Um, like I said last night when we were driving around or whatever, it, after having captured the moment with my father that I wanted to years ago, like, this is all bonus. Like, if there's anything that comes out of this, is like, we had a good time. Yeah. It's on record. This and is that's, such a cool project, just in general. See, I thought so, too. I like record keeping. I like yeah. conversations. Exactly. And, we'll, like I say, part of it was like, I wish I had the record of me sitting out here with my dad spearing my first fish. I don't. But now you do. And I can give you that. Yeah. And I think that's fucking cool. Creativity's fun. It is. <laughs> Isn't it just? Yeah, it is. And then it connects with someone and it's like, whoa. Huh. I wonder what the distinction is. I always I always like to think about what the like media distinction is between performance and public art versus like gallery art and mm. book art and how all of us like like we all apply for the same grants pretty much. But we, um, our relationship with the people who consume our work 
is all going to be very different. Like my chosen medium I like because books require constant permission. Ooh. Like you can put a book down anytime you want and pick it back up and you can read it and you can reread it. Um, public, like public art doesn't. It sort of exists in a way that like you will interact with it as long as you're in the same area and you can't help that. And film is different too because you do like self-select what you see and like I guess you can rewind and stuff but if you walk into a movie theater and like you see this thing on the screen, the pacing and all of that happens at the film's behest and not yours. Mm. And then you, and then the same thing happens with performance art where it's like this is not a thing, like this is a thing that you can opt out of but there's this social element of like oh this is weird, that's a real person up there, like you have to like kind of bear with it and let this person sort of take you on it and so there's all kinds of different um, dialogues about agency and what it means for an artist and their work when their work is being consumed. Um, Penumbra Theater, um, which is a like, really great like um, black theater in uh, Minneapolis, I think. Mm -hmm. Like they do pretty ex like they have excellent resources up and one of the documents that they have that you can just download um, talks about the violence that happens between um, the creation and the consumption of a work and how an audience necessarily reinterprets the experience away from whatever the intentions of the artist are. And that's a sort of violence that's necessary in the creation and consumption of art. And how that informs how people think about how to present work and um, and how that like kind of plays into different power dynamics. Like what identities are at play that make this more contingent upon all of these other things, and it was a beautifully crafted document. I'll have to find it. Hmm. But I always like to think about like how does work impact someone? What does connection look like across media? That's a good question. It's also fun too because like sometimes the work can precede you, and sometimes the reaction is immediate. So like performance artists tend to get like an immediate reaction right. they're performing but like for someone like me who like makes a thing and then it like goes and walks around without me like you you know it's gonna it's gonna be published it's gonna be in a bookstore someone will read it maybe they will interact with me and maybe they won't but i won't ever actually have to know what their interaction is and so in some way that takes some of the pressure off and i can do whatever it is that i want interesting and sometimes it makes it back to me and it's either amazing or terrible so it's like have you struggled with any of that when, like, I mean, dude, the fucking internet's brutal. Oh, yeah. No, not at all. You just, fuck, fuck you, I don't give a shit about your dumbass opinion. Yeah, no, if people are rude to me, I just mute them and I never have to hear from them again. It's, I mean, it's easier for me because, like, I'm a male creator and I've seen what happens with, like, my female colleagues. Like, if they produce work that some dude bro doesn't like, like, they will try to harass them out of the industry. Like, it happens regularly. It doesn't really happen to, like, guys like me very much. Like, granted, I'm queer and I'm Asian American, but that's somehow, like, less of a blight upon the creative industry to these men than, like, women saying things. Like, it's sort of ridiculous. So... But yeah, like, whatever feedback that I get, like, I don't do work to serve other people's narratives for the most part. Like, I only very pickily do work that I like, that I'm going to indulgently enjoy. Like, I'm going to draw dresses, and I'm going to draw hair, and I'm, like, going to do all of that because that's what I want to make. And so I have full control over what I consider to be su the success of the piece. Um, 
and because comics isn't my bread and bread and butter, like my value, my self worth is not attached to how well my work sells. So I can literally just make work for me, and it's fine. And whoever likes it will find it, and they'll appreciate it for what it is. And if they don't like it, I can recommend them things that are not mine that I really like. So I don't see how that is a thing that like would hinder my work in any way. Like unless someone was really trying to undermine my career, but like it's like that doesn't really happen all that often and people sure. don't tend to be successful in that endeavor. Hmm. You got a good head on your shoulders, Trung. Fuck. <laughs> I'm trying to. It's like such a ridiculous industry because it's like, I mean, I don't know. I don't understand how people in my industry kind of get big-headed over the properties that they work on or like the work that they do. Like, I'm glad people are proud of the work that they're making. But at the end of the day, like, I'm not going to lose sleep over somebody who has a negative opinion of my work because I draw funny pictures for a living. Like, fuck. <laughs> Do other things. So, yeah. It kind of shifts your priorities a little bit to, like, understand that, you know, you can work hard and be proud of what you make. But at the same time, it's, like, kind of ridiculous what you're doing. Fair enough. Not take it too seriously. <sighs> <laughs> I think it's awesome that your parents were like, yeah, spear and fish, definitely. <laughs> yes, like the spearing part they had no problem with, but the ice part was the mystery. <laughs> I suppose, were they, when, I, uh, when they got here, were they just like, what the fuck with the snow and the cold? <laughs> they were. Oh, yeah, I still actually have my dad's first winter jacket. That's awesome. Yeah, it was not warm enough. <laughs> it was like this like pea green like corduroy looking thing with the lining was really thin and I'm just I'm just a sentimental motherfucker so I mm -hmm. kept it absolutely that's yeah. awesome it fits me now so that's cool I don't wear it a lot because you know it's not that great in the winter but no I mean like I think my parents like I don't know It's it was mostly language stuff that was like kind of weird to navigate when they first came over here okay and that was worked around pretty nicely because we you know we had like a good network of support and there were people in our community who were like very intentional about like making sure that we got the opportunity to participate like I still remember like when I was five I was in kindergarten my mom like didn't really speak any English we had no idea what Valentine's Day was right okay yeah so in February our uh, my um, mrs. Jaden my kindergarten teacher comes over to my parents' house with a box of Valentines that she bought from Target. And she was like, your kids are going to be, your kid is going to be participating in this activity. This is what we do. We're going to write down all of the other kids' names and then we're going to pass them out to each other. And that's how we celebrate this holiday. And I still remember that. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. So did you learn English? Did you have to like translate for your parents for a while or were they like on it when they got here? They seem to be fairly prepared people. They're very prepared people but like there was a little bit of like like they would read us bedtime stories and my little brother and I would correct them. Like it was, it was a great time to be honest because like we they had to like learn so we all like sort of needed each other. There wasn't this like weird like like, they were also very intentional about, like, what kind of parents they wanted to be because they grew up with a lot of really shitty parents around them. Gotcha. So they were like, we're going to be better than all that. And so, um, 
God, so Vietnamese is kind of a funny language, right? So it's it's monosyllabic for the most part. So every word is only one syllable. What? And, yeah. And How so, is that even possible? Because we use accent marks. So like there are several, like there are different demarcations of the same vowel that will either like signify, like it's tonal language. So, um, and like our consonants are closer to like Latin than they are to like what we would consider like Germanic languages. And so there's lots of like soft T's and like um, soft C, like hard, like there's no like real hard K sound. It's like kind of a soft, like, um, like a soft C that you would find in like Spanish. So um, our fondest memory of reading with our dad in particular. So it's hard to, like the long E sound exists in Vietnamese and we use it a lot. But for some reason, it's difficult to read it in English. Like, it doesn't quite click. And we have no hard P sound. The closest thing to a hard P in Vietnamese is the B sound. So our favorite story that he read to us was James and the Giant Peach. Because he would read the P like a B, and the long E was read like a short I, I sound. Yes. Yep. So it was James and the Giant Bitch for like... <laughs> That was like the highlight of our childhood. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> he had like all kinds of fun with it. <clears throat> but yeah, oh. no, they, they eventually like learned to be very, very proficient English speakers. So it was like a nice little bit of family learning. And it was kind of cool too, because we all kind of had to learn it together. Like, I don't know, my little brother was the only one who like was completely naturalized from the beginning because he was born here. And so by the time that he was growing up, like our parents spoke a bit of English and you know, I spoke really good English, and all of his friends did too, so he never really had, like, a language problem. And, like, I was really shy, so I didn't speak a lot of English growing up, even though I understood it really well, and I was literate in it. I just didn't speak it a lot for a little while. And when I did, it was, like, really stilted and formal, because I learned it out of a book, okay. <laughs> like my dad did. I'm still a little bit like that, like just very verbose and formal all of the time. It's charming. <laughs> Is this like always this clear? In the winter, yeah. In the summer, there's a lot more growth mm -hmm. and algae and shit mm, yeah. that mucks it up. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, there's more disturbance because wind, waves, and boats, boats and shit yeah. rocking around, mm. stirring shit up. Um, but yeah, in the winter, it's almost always like this. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. I'd never thought about, like, how a lake would look different inside, depending on what's going on on top of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very unique perspective, this thing. Yeah. And, what? Go ahead. Uh, oh, I was just say it's also for fisher folk. It's an interesting perspective. Instead of just like a hole that you're you know, trying to catch mm -hmm. something on a line, gives you sort of an interesting, another perspective of like, oh, okay, I see what is actually going on down there. Mm -hmm. And how lucky it is. You get pissed off because you're like, fuck, we haven't seen anything. But look at the size of this hole. And look at the size of the lake. Mm -hmm. 
It's kind of a miracle you ever see anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's frustrating, too, because you sometimes think, like, I know that, like, one foot that way, that I just can't see it, mm -hmm. is a fucking 12-pound northern that I could spear, but I just, he's not there. You know, you're like, uh, they're swimming all around the hole, just not in it, and it's making me angry. <laughs> <laughs> but who knows? I don't know. You would never know unless you put a, I guess, underwater camera or something down there yeah. to see more, but then that would just piss you off, or piss me off, like, oh, I see him, he's way over there, but he's not here. I mean, I didn't come here expecting to catch a fish. I was just like, I want to sit in the dark for several hours and just chill. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Exactly. And it's, uh, well, mission accomplished. I don't know what it is. The fishing's been good. <laughs> Are you fading a little bit? No. I, uh, I like this environment. I'm, uh, content here. I, uh, and I got coffee and shit, dude. You want another cup of coffee? You know what? I'm good for now, actually, but thank you. Mm -hmm. oh. Do you have any more, like, epic projects on the horizon? Or any projects on the horizon in, that you're working on? Or? Uh, well, right now, just the Adventure Time cover. Oh yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. I'm real pumped about that. That'll be really fun. The editor, um, the editors over at Boom Studios are really amazing. Um, and they're um, just all very chill people, and I appreciate their um, their specificity and their um, and the broadness in their demands. Just like every once in a while, you run into an editor who like clearly has no idea what they're doing. They're like, "Am I the creative controller? Are you the creative controller? Like what?" But um, my editor uh, at Boom is very like, "You can actually do whatever you want, and I'm going to approve this cover, and like, and it works very expediently." And I've had editors before who are like not sure what they want, and they want me to give them many options, which is a lot of fucking work. Mm -hmm. And then they'll be like, "Eh, maybe this one," but like if you do it this, and so it's very like, it's nice to work with people who know how to communicate with folks who work visually, because it's a lot of work. I kind of just want to do my own projects for a little while after, um, after this year, because I was working on the Twisted Romance stuff through the holidays and. That was very, like, it was good. Like, the, the process was really nice because the writer um, planned for, like, everybody having really hectic lives and this being sort of a one-off project. So it wasn't a lot of pressure, but it was still, you know, like, a lot of time. So I need to not be as busy during the fourth quarter of any given year. Yeah. Right now it's mostly illustration stuff. Like, I'm, you know, working on finishing up a tarot deck, which is going to be a lot of fun. You've done all the cards? Not all of them yet. Okay. I Okay, so I started being like, okay, I'm going to do this as an illustration exercise. I'm going to draw all the major arcana. Okay. So that's 22 cards. And then I was like, well, I want a deck that people can use, so I'm going to draw all 78 cards. And then I was like, well, I kind of want different variants because I'm an egghead and I did research on the deck and some of the symbols and the hermetic stuff is not accessible to anybody anymore and they were indicative of a totally different time and some really problematic organizational things. So I'm going to take all of that out and like rework some of these and create variants. And so then I drew like 90 some cards and then I like ran out of steam. Like I drew the the cups and then the swords and then the wands and now i need to work on the coins as well and i was like this is taking forever because it's been like two years so i was like oh i really want something that i can actually use like i have in my hands and feel a sense of completion so i made another one 
I doubled my workload in order to feel satisfied in the work that I was doing. <laughs> so I completed one already. Like a, it was like a cutesy, fun one um, that I drew a lot more quickly. And I was like, this is all done. And I got that all done in like two weeks, whereas the other one took like two years. And I'm still working on it a little bit. I might go the published, like the traditional publishing route with it and see if I can't get like a publisher to make it because printing is insane like you have to invest so much money and then you have to make sure that they sell and like being a really small vendor like with a day job full-time and working on illustration stuff like the other part of the time like when am I gonna have time to run a store so I have to think about things like that right now so you were saying you were going to a con coming up for the adventure type thing yeah for Emerald City yes so I might be doing a, a signing with the um, with the voice actors of Finn and Marceline, which is really exciting. I'm pretty pumped about that. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you like the con thing? You know what, I really do, because within, like, if I'm with my comics work, like, all of my colleagues are, we interact with each other on the internet. We never get to see each other, like, on a day-to-day -day basis, so right. conventions are really the only place where we convene. We see each other in person. Right. We can gush over each other's work in person. It's, it's great. Yeah. And then you meet people who've been supporting your work for a really long time, which is always a great feeling. Yeah. Oh god, the last time I was at Emerald City, I was two tables down from Mike Mignola. And I did not have the guts to, like, go over and be like, hey dude, I like your work. Because I'm sure he gets it a lot. He made right. fucking Hellboy. Yeah. But, like, you know, for all, like, by all counts, he's a totally pleasant guy. So maybe next time I'll actually have to come over and be like, hey, please sign this book. Yeah. Yep. I, and I can't, I can't imagine it ever gets old to be validated. Yeah, no, it feels fucking great, like, mm -hmm. every time. How do you feel about lunch? Well, it's one now. Oh, holy buckets. Yeah, let's go eat something. Okay. I'm getting hungry. Yeah, alright. Okay. I'm ready when you are, yeah, I'm good. That was a great morning experience. Got to talk about a lot of crazy shit, learned a lot, and speared a fish. Next week, we finish up the day talking about more crazy stuff, and as always, there's a chance to spear another fish. So tune in and find out what happens. I forgot to mention last week that good old Trongles is all over the internet, and you should check him out and support the arts, eh? He runs a dope-ass Patreon site where you can keep an eye on his latest projects as they happen. And as always, be sure to check out Going Up North on Facebook. Give us a like and a share. Tell your friends. Follow me on Twitter, KCT at Going Up North 1, the numeral 1. And now we're available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play, so you can listen how and when you want. Thanks for listening. I'm KCT, and this is Going Up North. All right!